Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the Water Cooler, the world's most statistically average sports podcast. Brought to you by the Believe Podcast Network, the number one podcast network for professionals, featuring 390 shows with a stable of former players and local media personalities. Check us out today at Believe.com. That's B L E A V. My name is Ryan Saber, the most electrifying voice in sports information. And with me, as always, what up, what up? It's me. It's me. It's Lukey C, a.k.a. The Crockpot. And uh, what's going on in sports? We got anything to talk about today? Jesus, this past weekend was nuts. I think it's going to be quick today. We kind of always say that to each other. I think this one's going to be quick. We're going to recap the PGA Championship, which was awesome. We're going to talk a little bit about just some initial thoughts on the NBA playoffs. We're recording on Monday night, so we've only seen one game from each series, but so far, been pretty good. And then we're going to talk about the status of the Warriors at the end. Luke sent me a text message, I don't know, last week, end of, end of the week, about, you know, on the heels of the Warriors getting knocked out of the play-in tournament and just kind of said, what do you think? I want to talk about the status of the Warriors moving forward. So we'll talk about those three things. But before we get into the show, a word from our sponsor. The NBA playoffs are here, and Bet Online is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your sports action. Bet Online has you covered for all the news, scores, and odds. It's the best way to place your bets, and it's free to sign up. You got anything? I do. I got beat up last week, so I need an easy win. So I'm going to take the Lakers minus one and a half on the road at Phoenix on Tuesday night. Los Angeles Lakers minus 1.5 at Phoenix. I like that one. I also, I like Dallas plus six. I think the Clippers probably come back and win game two, but that series feels like it's going to be really close. Another one I also toyed with possibly is Boston plus nine and a half. That feels like a really, really thick spread to me. So that's a maybe. If you guys I think want, Brooklyn's going to blow the doors off them in game. You guys two. want some action? You can. You got. You got Boston plus nine and a half, and you got Dallas plus six. So head to BetOnline.ag with your computer or mobile device to sign up today and receive your fifty percent welcome bonus on your first deposit. BetOnline, your online sports book experts. Let's get into golf. Let's talk about Phil, oldest to ever win a major. Great golf over the weekend. Not so great for you, probably, because I know you you were happy for Phil. Obviously, your guy, Brooks, was in the mix there. You know, the putting yesterday for Brooks on Sunday was. And it, it wasn't even, I mean, he was missing stuff that was just outside of the rubber. You know, he missed about two or three. You know, not none of those putts are gimmies, but he gave that thing away. He had a chance early there. I mean, what on the first hole, he took a stroke lead and then it just kind of kind of fell apart for him. He, he hit the bad drive on three, maybe. And just from that point on, he hit it. He hit it very far left from that point on. Uh, he was just kind of all over the he place all day. Yeah. Yeah. F listen, F Phil, 
gave him some opportunities. I even thought in the middle of the round there, Louis Oosthuizen and the other, who was the other, the other guy that was in the mix there. Um, I mean, uh, strong starts with Kevin Streelman. Streelman. If he, he faded, played, he faded. If he could have played a little bit better, he had a chance, but you know, the story was Phil. I'm interested to, to get your thoughts on the tournament as a whole. And then what you thought about Sunday and, and that, amazing scene on 18 yeah so the tournament itself i i felt uh saturday was the best major saturday that i can remember in a long 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 time especially one with that didn't feature tiger woods it was incredible just the whole time it looked like phil could get out and go with it a little bit and then came back down to earth you know, he did that both days, Saturday and Sunday, a little bit, stretching it out to five, uh, five strokes. And then um, that back nine, I, I told you guys last week that that back nine was was going to be very tough. Those two closing holes, you're, you weren't going to make up much ground there. But I, as I mentioned, I, I got almost nothing right last week. My picks on the show were Leishman, Cantley, and Victor Hovland in the top 10, all missed. I picked Shoffley to win, missed the cut. He has like, I think, three missed cuts in majors. And I <laughs> happened to pick him this week. But I did promise you one thing. Um, I promised you that there would be an elite winner. And I think we got that. Now, is he elite right now? No, of course not. But, uh, man, it was it was just truly remarkable to see. It, it was very fun being a golf fan this weekend, just watching it all unfold. But um, going in, I think we knew everyone was going to be pulling for Phil. Just for one, it's Phil Mickelson. He's become like a fan just like a god he's a legend in the game as it is already he, he didn't need another major but uh he's always going to take one if he's got a chance to do it but he did nothing dumb all week like you were expecting like you were expecting a film moment and i think on 13 he did hit it in the water on saturday and that's when it felt like okay here it comes this is it's lasted this long and it's finally going to start to come back and you know he, he ended up hitting the provisional and went up there and got his bogey and, and steadied the shit from there and then he didn't play great, and, and neither did Brooks on Sunday, and we'll get to Brooks in a minute, but it, it, he didn't play fantastic golf, but he did enough to what he needed to do to get that win. It was just really surprising. He gained strokes everywhere uh, for the tournament. The only place he really lost was off the tee on Saturday, and on Sunday, uh, putting a little bit was was a little shaky for him, which has tended to been his bugaboo over the, the years. He, he, you know, he hits it to like five or six feet, and he is like one of the best iron players in the history of golf. And then, you know, he tends to lip it out, but you, you could really see him taking his time and focusing this week. And he's talked a lot about it. You know, he chews the CBD gum aside from all the other stuff. I think that that was something that was really, really important is that he wanted to stress that he was working on taking 36 hole practice rounds and 45 holes per day, just because his practice wasn't, making his real tournament stuff important enough. He's like, so this way I know if I have practicing 45 holes, I can really zero in and focus on every single shot in an 18 hole round. And it was just really interesting to see, you know, this is not a course that um, seemingly it didn't fit his game. I mean, it's a tight course where you can get into trouble off the tee, which has not been his strong point, especially this year. And he just put on an absolute stripe show for the event. He only gained 0.53 strokes off the tee, but he was, three and a half strokes strokes in total from T to or for, or for total and it, which led the field obviously. And it was just unbelievable. It just, I, we hadn't seen him put together four rounds like this in a long, long time. 
He was 176th in strokes gained T to green this season coming into this and was first this week. So, I mean, it just wasn't a course that fit his game. This truly came out of nowhere. You didn't see it coming. And let me ask you a question. What, what in the last five years, like what, what have you known Phil to be? Like what, is, what has Phil been to you? He has been a guy that's sort of been, you know, maybe even used like a, like a professional wrestling, like a WWE reference, almost like a Ric Flair or a Hulk Hogan or The Rock somebody that kind of shows up every once in a while makes, makes a little bit of an appearance, but he's never the main event. You know, he's, he's been known more for doing the, the Thanksgiving uh, weekend stuff with Tiger yeah, the exhibition matches. Yeah. You know, the exhibition, the exhibition matches and I, yeah, I mean, I, I think that he's just more of a, like, like I said, like a Hulk Hogan or a Ric Flair at this point. And obviously he showed everybody. I, I think the one thing, and, and I'm, I'm going to answer, I'm going to answer it a little, I'm going to go a little bit further on the answer. On 18 on Sunday, he, he drove the ball 366 yards, which I believe they said was the longest drive of the tournament. So the oh, last yeah. hole of the, of the weekend, he hits it 366 yards for a 50 year old guy to get out there and hit the ball the way he was against these young guys. I mean, he was regularly out driving Brooks yesterday, which is crazy because Brooks is one of the, what do you got going on there? You playing Hulk Hogan's music? Bad. Yeah. <laughs> Brooks is Bad. Brooks is one of, you know, the longest drivers out there, right? Him and some of these other, you know, obviously nobody hits it further than, than your boy uh, Bryson, but <laughs> I think that, you know, Phil Mickelson's game, he, he's really revamped his body. You talked about the CBD gum, the breathing. When the camera was on him between holes, when he was waiting, I mean, he was sitting there. It was almost like Lamaze class. Like he was breathing, calming himself. I think he's he's really remade. Now, look, is, is he going to win another major? I doubt it. But he's remade himself into sort of the modern day golfer, which is basically, you know, 30 years ago, Michael Jordan came into the league and now everybody kind of plays the game changed and everybody was playing like Jordan. The game was in the air and athleticism and all that. Whereas, you know, Tiger came into the PGA 20 years ago and was bombing it off the tee. They had the tiger proof courses. So now all these young guys, is kind of a variation of the of Tiger's game from the late 90s and early 2000s. And I think Phil, late in his career at 50 years old, has remade himself into sort of that kind of golfer. So it was Which in itself is remarkable. It, well, I think, you know, if this was baseball, we'd be... <laughs> you know like there i'm not 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 with phil but there there's some talk about it but uh but yeah i totally agree and i actually have written in my notes sideshow like you know he was ranked 113th coming into this week and no player outside the top 50 had won in like 22 straight majors he himself hadn't had a top 20 in a major since he was the runner up at the 2016 british in that legendary final round with henrik stenson you know, I just have some just a couple of things I wrote down. And this is just stuff that I was thinking of off the top of my head in the last four or five years that he's been known for ahead of contending in golf majors. Dancing in a commercial for a dress shirt that which you can was, wear golfing. Which was awesome. <laughs> it was awesome. 
he showed up to the U.S. Open in 2017 and played in practice rounds and then left and withdrew from the tournament so he could attend his daughter's graduation. It's not like that event just snuck up on him. He just decided, oh, I'm just not going to play in this tournament after playing practice rounds. His coffee, you know, he's got that mug with him on every putting green. He carries it around with him all the time. You know, he talks about it on Twitter nonstop. His aviators, all the things, you know, all the things, you know, you mentioned it, the exhibition matches. I did like those sunglasses. It's been everything but contending. And um, I just think that this is truly one of the most remarkable wins, not only in golf, but in sports history. I mean, it's truly remarkable. And I still can't believe it happened. And books are going to make a killing on on him next week or next month at the U.S. Open. I mean, people are going to be betting him hand over fist and <laughs> just going to give all that money they want right back. But, uh, you know, if you ask him, you know, he said, uh, you know, this might be my last win or I, or I could go on a little run there. And that that's that's like the perfect embodiment of Phil Mickelson. And, you know, I was just really, really happy for him. But for the winner, there's there's a loser, too. And, and I got some stuff I want to talk about with Brooks. If you have anything else on Phil. No, I would just the, the, the only other thing I would say is. On 18 or maybe before they teed off on 18 they showed the, the other three oldest major winners, Jack, old Tom Morris, and Julian. Uh, who's the guy he beat? Boris, I think his name is or something. I mean, Julian Boris and old Tom Morris looked like they were 90 <laughs> fucking years old. You know, I mean, look, I saw someone on Twitter is like old Tom Morris was playing Little League at 30 if he's 46 in that picture. <laughs> you know, Jack looked good at 46. Yeah. But those other two guys looked old as shit well think about yeah look phil looks good i mean phil this is this is the best he's looked in his career and he's been a guy that's kind of gone up and down right they they teased him early on and called him hefty and then he kind of slimmed down and then he went through that period where he was kind of slim but he he's never been an athletic looking guy Phil looks fucking good. He is right now. now. Yeah, yeah, I yeah. totally agree. Couldn't so agree more. That 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 is that's the one thing. When you look at the other guys, the comparison on the pictures that they showed, it was either before they teed off on eighteen or maybe right after they teed off. It was just like Jesus. These other guys, man. Like I don't know. So that that's you know for Phil. I mean, I I'm 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 really happy for the guy. The scene. I know you're going to talk about Brooks, but the scene on eighteen was. Surreal. Look, it's not what you know Tiger at the Masters was in 2019, but it was very, very, very close. You know, Mike Greenberg tweeted it, and I and I agree with it 100. The display that you saw with Phil on Sunday on 18 was sort of the the return on investment that he's made by always making time for the fans, always being a guy that was about the fans. You know, Tiger was always the guy that was sort of standoffish, guarded, cold, calculated, whereas Phil was always sort of, you know, he was on entourage and he was sort of the guy that was like, you know, Uncle Phil, you know, like he was just kind of that guy. And that the return on investment you saw at Sunday on the 18th hole. Yeah, I think that's a very good way to put it. And to that point, uh, you know, Phil had mentioned that it was a little bit unnerving because he just wasn't used to it. So even though Tiger was that way, he had always gotten the adoration and 
the support anytime they would go head to head. It was Tiger that that the fans were, you know, all over. And um, and it wasn't Phil. He he mentioned that. And and one last thing I'll say is like we thought that Phil was was old when he won his last major in 2016. He had just turned 45. So to do this almost six years to the date later is just just truly truly remarkable and impressive. Yeah, one one of the, one of the all time greats. But uh, yeah, so moving on to uh, to Brooks. I was out there for him. You know, you, you alluded to it. It was couldn't, he didn't putt very good, uh, very well. And there were plenty of opportunities and low scores out there. The top three guys, the guys, uh, Mickelson, Louie and Kepka, uh, were the only guys in the top 10 that finished over par in round four. So, I mean, it was out there for him and, you know, he could be looking back at the end of his career and really kicking himself. Cause I, I don't want to say like he gave it away cause the course was the course, but, you just look at it and it's, it's, it's hard to look at, especially after the three rounds he'd put together before that he had lost strokes everywhere on round four after gaining everywhere through the first three rounds. And, um, you know, as bad as he played, I'm going to say this as bad as he played, he doubled two. he missed a, a three foot birdie putt lip out on three, which would have tied him for the lead. And then Phil chips in at five and the place just goes, insane he stood on the seventh tee after all of that tied for the lead you know he was still in it with you know the hardest hole still coming up and and, at the back nine um and he played the par threes the par five he doubled five and then he goes and he bogeys seven phil birdies we see what happens you know he birdies three of the first four on the back or i'm sorry he bogeys three of the first four in the back nine and that was pretty much it. You know, Phil Phil took control from there, and, and Brooks never really pressed again until, you know, he stood on the 18th tee. Phil gave away two at uh, the 18th at Wingfoot, and it was like, oh man, this 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 could be another one of those one of those happenings. You know, if Brooks birdies and Phil bogeys, they're going to a playoff, but wasn't meant to be. Phil hit that was I want to say that was one of Phil's best shots of the weekend was that approach into 18 on uh, on sunday he hit that thing and just pimp stepped i was hoping he made the putt but uh so yeah it's two years in a row now for for um brooks at the pga in contention he fades on sunday last year he finished t29 he was two strokes back going into it and he made some comments about dj saturday evening you know he's like i'm looking at the, the leaderboard and he's like i'm the only one that has you know majors he's like dj i think has one which he knew dj had a major you know he also finished second at the 2019 Masters, so not bad to lose to Tiger and and Phil. But uh, what what are your thoughts on Brooks, on who he is, where he stands as um, as a golfer and amongst fans? Like, what you go ahead and tell me. I'm glad you asked. I think Kepka's got the game to be a top ten golfer of all time. I just don't think he cares enough, and it's not that he's not competitive or that he doesn't want to win, or that he doesn't care about winning. I just feel like Brooks, he, he, we've, we've talked about this before on the show. The dude, he, ta- he said it. When I, you see when I golf. Like, he's not the guy that's out there, you know, doing 45 whole practice rounds and grinding and and all that and you know what i'm i'm totally comfortable and cool with that i mean it's a dude that if he wanted to be a top 10 player of all time i think he could be he was on that trajectory there was a period there where i thought 
I'm like, this guy may not ever fucking lose a major again because he was kind of so clutch and just out there dominating, right? For about 18 months there, 24 months. So, look, I like him. I like his attitude. I like his approach. I like him and Portnoy, Dave Portnoy, El Prez got a thing going. Cupcake, they, <laughs> he calls him Cupcake, you know, and I, I, I like that he's a, he's a fun guy and he doesn't take that sport too seriously in a sport where everybody takes it too seriously. You know, he's an outlier in, in a good way, and I appreciate him for that. But I think that, you know, this is a guy where at, at 35, he, he's probably got five years left. You can see him very easily just at 35 going, you know what? I've made my money. I don't love golf. It's something that I'm really good at and I can make a lot of money at. And I, I think you could very easily see him at 35 just kind of say, you know what? I did it. I'm going to go ahead and I'm going to walk away. Oh, yeah. I mean, it's definitely it's definitely something I've thought about in regards to him. Now, I think I think that he puts a lot of that on. I think a lot of that is I want you to think that I don't care because I just think that that's just kind of who he is. He's just kind of look, I love him. He's he's uh if he's not my second favorite player, you know, he's my first right now outside of the Tiger division. I would say it's probably Rory and Kepco. Those are my two favorite. And um, yeah, I don't believe he's a bad guy. I like, I mean, not like a bad person, but like, like a heel, like a wrestling heel, like a Patrick Reed or a Bryson DeChambeau. I think those guys are like, those are the bad guys. You know, those are the guys that the fans don't like, you know what I mean? Yeah, but he's like, he's the likable heel. Right. So like, uh, who would that be like a Randy Orton, maybe? No, like Ric Flair. I mean, I, I keep <laughs> yeah, going yeah, back yeah, to Ric Flair, but one. I mean, Flair was always sort of a heel and he was likable. Yeah, so I and I think that you know fans like him. So I knew that he wasn't going to get hammered too much by the fans yesterday, even though he, even though it was unquestioned that everyone in that crowd wanted Phil Mickelson to win. But he's also not like a good guy, you know, like like Rory or a DJ or a Spieth. I think he wants to be perceived as that bad guy, and I think that a lot of times that's what comes out when you hear him say, you know, I'm not a golfer, I'm an athlete, or you know, I don't love golf. And he says, Oh, baseball is my first love and this and that. So I, I see what you're saying about uh, him walking away at 35. I just don't think, I think that secretly he really does. Maybe not, maybe not. He's not obsessed with it. Like, like these other guys. So especially those guys I just mentioned, you know, he's not going to, to grind it. But one, th one thing that he did that I, I really liked, and it was very subtle. It was, it was like 11, 12, 13, uh, he had started to I'm trying to think what hole it was. Phil hit a down hole, hit a downhill putt. It was a longer one. And Brooks, uh, he Brooks had stuck it very close. Phil had maybe put it to about, I don't know, 15, 16, 17 feet. It was a downhill putt. This was somewhere in the middle of the round. And Phil sinks the putt. And he's, you know, kind of getting into it. And the camera kind of pans. And Kepka was standing behind Phil. And Phil's doing, you know, you could tell he's excited. And Brooks is just kind of looking down, just kind of like with like this little smirk on his face. And I think he knew right then that he that he had lost it because the crowd was just, he, he even hung in there. But 
I appreciate his personality. I appreciate his approach. He's kind of a he's just kind of smug, smug and sarcastic. Yeah, and yeah, he's fun. Yeah. I mean, he he's a guy that 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 certainly me. I mean, you know me. Same, he's same cert- with me. He's certainly a guy that I can appreciate because I believe that sort of I'm in the same mold where, you know, I think sometimes we I hear everything you're saying. Like he probably he cares a little more than he puts on, and a lot of what he says is for show. So so I can certainly appreciate that. But he's likable. He is a likable guy, and you know I root for him. I root for him, and and you know this thing with him importantly, I keep going back to it. I love it. You know, he's on the golf course and somebody said somebody tweeted something out about him. Important. He's like, that's not Brooks Kepka. He's not that fat. <laughs> you know what I mean? And it's just yeah. like, but he engages in that with him. Right. And he goes right. on his shows and he's fun. Like, and he's not going to do like, he's not going to do like, he's not going to be on FS1 and he's not going to be on like ESPN all the time. Like he's going to do the, you know, the, the comedy, like, it's just, it's who he is. And, and I enjoy that about him. I agree. And I, I think like, I think he's like LeBron in a way that I totally understand how some of the shit that he does can rub people the wrong way. You know, we, we talked about it on several occasions. It's like just how exhausting a regular season is with LeBron James and your favorite team, because he has demands and he has, uh, you know, a, a very high bar and standards that he holds everyone accountable to. And at the same time, doesn't always hold himself accountable to those same standards. So just looking at it from that way, you know, as I mentioned, Brooks loves to tell people I'm not a golfer, I'm an athlete. And then, um, yeah, I just don't think he does himself many favors with the fans in that way. But I also, I'm not sure that he cares, but he just gets so wrapped up in what he wants to be perceived as that I just don't think it does him many favors. And like you said, I don't think he really cares, but I just think it's, I just think it's also interesting. You know, all weekend you hear, I respect Brooks. You know, I respect the game. I respect the way he does stuff, but he doesn't elicit elicit an emotional response when he plays well for me. You know, this this is what I'm hearing. You know, from, I, like, from, I don't from fans or from yeah. Media. You hear, I've heard it on podcasts. I've heard it on Twitter. You know, like good or bad. You know, people just kind of feel indifferent towards him, and I think it's I think it's unfortunate because when you get a guy like that who's in post round interviews and stuff, you ask him questions, he's candid. You know. We talked about this a little bit earlier about baseball. He literally put out a, a tweet with a with a steroid gift from Eastbound and Down, referring to Bryson DeChambeau, and like the, the this could have been a sick, sick rivalry with between Bryson and, and Brooks. And the PGA Tour just completely shut it down. They they never put them together in pairings. They could have just paired them together every time. They put them in different waves. Even they wouldn't even play them both at the same time. So I, I just thought that that was a, a lost thing. But um. And it's also interesting to me because he gets lumped into a group like with DJ and Spieth and JT and Rory as far as who he is as a player when in reality, like he's blown all them away in majors, except for Rory. Rory has four. Brooks has four. Brooks has four since Rory's won his last one. Rory hasn't won one in seven years now since Brooks has been out there. And I just and I think a lot of that has to do with the fact that, you know, and maybe, maybe truly deep down, he doesn't care. But I think like if more people were into it, it, it would be a better thing. Um, he's ostensibly the best golfer on the planet who plays markedly better in majors. I just, I just think it's, he's just really good. And it just, it just sucks that he's perceived that way. And, and, and it's, it's, it's his own doing. 
Yeah, I mean, he's probably in Tiger territory in terms of he doesn't care about winning the fucking Wyndham and, you know, the Valero Open. I mean, he's out there to win majors, I I think. Absolutely. And people will talk about, well, he hasn't earned that. It's like, well, well, who are you to decide? You know, I mean, if, if he hasn't, who has, you know, I mean, he's man, I don't know. And one last thing I got to see his acting before you put him in the category with LeBron. <laughs> Fair. You never see those Michelob, you haven't seen those Michelob ultra commercials. He's great on the treadmill. I have. And that's that smile, man. That smile. They probably play those during the Valero open on, on, you know, Friday <laughs> afternoon coverage. Yeah. That's when they show. Yeah, exactly. You, you good on golf. Uh, yeah, next, I'm good. I'm good. Next major. Where is it? And when is it? We're at Torrey pines. It's in, um, it's in June. Let me see. I get the exact date for you. In the U.S. Open, obviously. Yep. U.S. Open Thursday, June 17th through Sunday, June 20th. Fox has oh, the I'm U.S. Sorry, Open, sorry. right? No, they actually. Did they lose it? They had it for a while, didn't they? They gave it up. They gave up their contract. So NBC took it. So it's sorry, June 17th through June 20th at Torrey Pines. Okay. So end of June. So we're talking four weeks away. Primetime golf, away. Man, that. Fuck Tiger, man. Tory, he loves Tory Pines. That sucks that he's, you know, whatever. I don't. I don't. All that even... stuff. All, all that stuff looks better than it initially came off, though. So, yeah, because it didn't look good. All right, let's get into the NBA, man. I watched all eight games. <laughs> I couldn't tell you the last time that I've watched when the playoffs started every single game one. So I want to sort of start this segment by saying that I feel like when we get to me, I have a lot. I know you were watching a lot of golf on Saturday and Sunday, so you might not, you might've missed some of it, but I'm just curious, initial thoughts, you know, at the time of recording, we've only seen game ones. We got game twos of Nuggets. Milwaukee just tipped. Miami, Milwaukee, and, and Nuggets, Blazers, game twos tonight. So just curious about initial thoughts, what you've seen so far. Maybe even if you got a little reaction from the play-in tournament. Uh, curious of your thoughts. Yeah, I'm glad that uh, I'm glad that you got to watch all eight. I mean, I've done that since, like, college. That's impressive. Uh, yeah, I was at I was... the beach. I was at ah. the beach, and then I came home yesterday because I'm, I'm switching jobs, so I had to be – I, I couldn't take three days off my last, you know, my, my last week. So I was here by myself because Courtney didn't come home until today. So I got home yesterday at like two o'clock. So I watched, so I, Saturday they were at, they were out shopping and at the beach and I watched all four games. And then um, Sunday I was by myself. So yeah, that's, it, it was just timing. Yeah. I was, I was immersed in the, in the golf coverage, but um, so I, I did check out a few games. I thought it was interesting that the series dogs won five of eight of the games. LeBron always loses game one when it's not like an obvious sweep situation, you know, when it's not going to go out there and just run through, he always loses those games. And I had a question for you. What was, what's your concern level for Utah? I know that Mitchell was out. Uh, You got him coming out of the West, but that's still a game that they should win. I'll get to it. Okay. Yeah. Just from the plan. I think, uh, 
the playing experience, Ja now three three games. He's one and two now in the plan. I think that really showed up for him on uh on Friday night against the Warriors. He was able to go ahead and, and knock them out of playoffs. So unfortunately, I think that's the first team that uh we've had that earned a playoff spot and missed the playoffs through this uh two year now play in tournament process. But um yeah, I mean I I don't really have much. Like I said, I was I was locked in, but uh, I think that the Nets I think I think that the Nets are going to blow Brooklyn. I I don't I don't see Brooklyn or I'm sorry Boston winning a game here. The Nets were looked just horrendous, and then in a matter of two minutes, well, it was late, four it was four minutes left to go in the game. Kyrie hit five straight points. They just decided he hit right, the this, two, he hit yeah. the three, and then Durant came down, and yeah, and, then, and that was it. So yeah, they just decided uh, enough of this. We're going to go ahead and end this one. I think it was big for my uh, Milwaukee to win. Game one, I know that uh, we t- we could say whatever about last year, but uh, you know that had to be sitting on, on Milwaukee's head there late late in that game. You know, especially going into overtime, Mavs and the Clippers. The Clippers seem to be the same old Clips. I, I they they I think what I think you picked uh, you picked the or did you take the Mavs in the 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 read? I did plus six. Yeah, plus six. I mean, it's kind of nuts because right now it's just like, man, it feels it does really feel like for the first time in a long, long time in the NBA that anything can happen. Like any of these teams can come out. And I don't remember feeling like that in a really long time. Except for the Wizards. (laughs) Knicks and Hawks was awesome last night. Um, Trey shut the garden down. And Mm -hmm. um, yeah. And then, as I mentioned, uh, Grizzlies take steal stealing home court advantage as the eight seed. So I, I got a few things. I think, you know, the league's in really good hands. These young guys, these stars are shining. John Morant, Trey Young, Devin Booker, Luca. I mean, these guys, these young kids are just out there. They're fearless. The moment, you know, it's one of those situations where it's like they don't even know that they're not supposed to be doing the things that they're doing and you know, Jason Tatum, like it's just, it's, it's so fun to watch these young guys just come out there and just kill. We've sort of been conditioned to only expect like LeBron and KD and Steph and Kyrie and just, you know, the same old guys to perform well. And then young guys are going to sort of, struggle early on because that's sort of how it's always been even even with LeBron and Kyrie and and Kevin Durant like even those guys struggled early on so to see these guys come out and do what they're doing early on is it's awesome I thought the Nuggets really missed Jamal Murray you know they lost 123-109 in game one to the Blazers Dame was unbelievable but you know Jokic was unbelievable. I just, that game, you know, I think back to how well Jamal Murray played in the bubble last year, and he he really sort of stepped his game up in the playoffs. I think this Nuggets team is is probably, you know, we'll see how they play tonight, but they're Dang probably plus 25 in that game. He was, he's fucking unbelievable. He's, he's unbelievable. But I think that they're probably not long for this world because they really need 
Jamal Murray. So it's going to be interesting right away. You're probably going to have a six upset of three. You talked about the Nets in, in Boston. Man, how much does Boston miss Jalen Brown? Not to say that they could win the series without Jalen Brown, but I think that he, him, them not having him is the difference between this being a six-game series and being a sweep. They That's did a lot every, of respect right there. They did everything. Well, it's he, they're just he, they're so soft, man. We talked about this last week. He's a great defender. And yeah, he is. He is. Tatum's turning into a, a, a pretty good defender. Marcus Smart is a really good defender. Missing him is a huge hole for them against this team. I'm interested. James Harden has seems to not his role is. That team is going to struggle with who fits where and, and, and things like that when, when the going gets tough because are they? Re- I, I think they are. I, look, or are they just going to go get their own shots and score 140 maybe, points? Maybe. That team, though, if, if there's any injuries, like when KD fell on his arm, I was like, oh, my God. That like looked that, ugly. That looked, it looked I ugly. I can't believe but, he just popped up. Well, he he just he fell on it the right way. I mean, they're one injury away from – you can say that about a lot of teams – I didn't really write anything down about the Nets and the Celtics. I just the Jalen Brown thing was was obvious and apparent to me from for defensive purposes. Look, I like the Nets. I think they're really good. I think James Harden and and look, it could be one of those things where every night kind of they they their roles kind of kind of it's very fluid. So we'll see. I mean, again, one game. Uh, Devin Booker's, I, you know me. I've been talking about him for a while. Devin Booker is an absolute fucking superstar there there is no question the chris paul thing early on is it's a little scary i'm interested it looks like chris paul's got two or three different injuries right now very on brand for chris ball he kind of always gets hurt at at the worst times but booker and ayton they totally outplayed lebron and ad i i thought the only thing that would have made game one of that series better is if lebron would have come out with goggles on if the acting in Space Jam 2 is as good as his acting against the Warriors when, you know, I, I can't see and all that. Like, like if the acting is as good in Space Jam 2, he may win an Oscar. Like, it's going to be something to watch. I love LeBron. You know I love LeBron. I have a picture of LeBron holding a trophy right here. I have pictures. I have LeBron stuff all over my house. He is insufferable. Well, this goes back to what I just talked about. I know, but I just, you know. He's extra. He's definitely extra. It takes me back to 2015. 2015, uh, Andre Iguodala was the MVP of the finals, right? Uh, Yeah. The first time. For holding LeBron to like 38, 12, and 11. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, I mean, it takes me back to that. There was, you know, there was a time when Andre Iguodala, like, got fouled or whatever, and he was, like, mocking LeBron, like, in game four or five of that series where he was like, ah. You know, like, it's it's almost comical. And it's like the dude's the biggest, strongest, fastest player out there. And he's a fucking faker. Like, he <laughs> is a fake. Like, there is no Just doubt. Say he flops. Him. He flops, man. He, it's he's not even flopping. He is a faker. And it's funny because Barstool Big Cat, I'm on my Barstool shit today. On one of their shows today, or maybe it was yesterday, he showed some, it was today, this morning, he showed some video of when that fight happened in the Lakers-Suns game when 
what's Paul his trying name? to help him out. Harold came over. So yeah. LeBron was laying on the ground, like rolling around with his shoulder and the fight breaks out. And yeah. he looks, you see the camera. He looks <laughs> over and sees the fight. He gets up, walks over to where the fight is and then fucking, <laughs> and then collapses again. Like I love the dude, man, but uh, he's, he, it's tough. I am officially rooting for the Suns in that series. It's not going to hurt, break my heart if the Lakers win. I just want to watch Devin Booker play really well. DeAndre Ayton absolutely destroyed Anthony Davis. I think that's going to be interesting. Anthony Davis really struggles with big bigs. And I don't know, man. It's interesting. Giannis almost cost Milwaukee game one. Dude, that guy's free throw shooting. It, did you see the game when it went at the end of the first, at the end of the second half and into overtime? Uh, Chris Middleton really saved him. His free throw shooting is atrocious. He was doing some really dumb stuff at the end there, kind of playing hero ball. Jimmy Butler had a fucking horrible game. I know he hit the layup that took it to overtime, but he was like five for 15 before he hit that layup. Tyler Hero. That dude played like six minutes in that game. I mean, he is Duncan Robinson has officially taken over Tyler here. James Harden. I know. I know. And you know, I'm I'm really looking forward to what that team looks like next year with Victor Oladipo. I just saw a report that, you know, he'll be back next year. That was a you know great for them to get him. Very interested. Their Hawks Knicks, you talked about it was great. It was just great. The atmosphere. Yeah. Um, the, the garden was rocking. You know, that Atlanta team is fun. They're well coached. I like when, you know, they they talked about it at nauseum in the telecast. I really like what Nate McMillan's done with that team. Trey Young is, you know, Charles Barkley said it at halftime. I think when Trey Young's at his best is when he's trying not, is when he's not trying to be Steph Curry. When he's just kind of trying to be Trey Young and penetrate and he's not trying to hit these, you know, long rainbow threes and stuff like that. And he really did that in the second half. He put, he's 30 points, you know, 10, 10 assists or whatever. The guy, the guy's unbelievable. The Knicks are fun to watch. Julius Randle's so good. Derek Rose, you know, the way he's remade himself, RJ Barrett. I mean, that team is fun. Obi Toppin, Obi Toppin had some stretches in that game that didn't have me wishing that the Cavs didn't draft Isaac Okoro, but it had me going, oh, well, maybe Obi Toppin isn't going to be as much of a bust as I thought he was. And the last thing, I'm not really concerned about the game one loss for Utah against Memphis, although Memphis has played very, very well. We've seen them a few times now. You know, Memphis is sort of the opposite of of the Lakers. The Lakers have not looked good in the couple games that we've seen them in the play-in and now. And Memphis has looked good in, in all the games that we've seen them. My bigger concern is, you know, what's going on with Donovan Mitchell. They cleared him to play. The medical staff rolled him out. I know he was really upset. The players on the team didn't even know that he wasn't playing because he was at practice. I mean, he he started practicing on Thursday. You know, he practiced Thursday, Friday, Saturday, and now all of a sudden he can't get there. I don't know what the deal is with him, but – Clearly, any prediction I made about them advancing or how far I thought they would go was clearly predicated on the idea that they were going to have a healthy or, or mostly healthy Donovan Mitchell. So 
Well, Shams said that he's playing game two. Well, of course he's fucking playing game two. I think that they thought that they were going to steal a fucking game without him. Mike Conley's really good. Uh, You know, I think everybody knew that. There are a lot of non-household names that have that sh- that shined in this first weekend of the playoffs. Both Bogdanovich is the one I can't remember what their first names are, but Bogdanovich from the Jazz had 20 points in the fourth quarter last night. You oh, know, yeah. like I mean, there's just there's a lot of guys. Alec Burks hit a lot of big shots for the Knicks. It's like 18 fourth quarter points yesterday. I don't think Chris Middleton's uh, you know, he's 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 a he's a good player, but he's not a household name. Duncan Robinson had a great game. Tobias Harris had 37 points in game one against Washington. I mean, that's not we haven't even talked about him. Tobias Harris had 37 and Bede had 30. And then you got Ben Simmons having 15 rebounds, 15 assists. I mean, I, look, great first weekend of the NBA playoffs. I'm excited for what we have left. Look, Mitchell makes Mitchell makes the difference. Um, I will say slightly alarming for Utah is that Conley and Gobert were plus eleven and plus nine respectively, and and you still lose that game. So it's slightly concerning. I don't think for this series, just moving forward. Yeah, I would agree with you. You want to ask me a question about the Warriors? Yeah. Um, so speaking of uh, the Grizzlies, they were able to end. Uh, the Warriors playoff uh, playoff hopes in the play-in tournament uh, went to Golden State on Friday night and won 117-112, knocking out Steph, Draymond, and company from the playoffs. First time they missed the playoffs in uh, quite a while. Oh, actually, they missed last year. Yeah, two years so, ago. So, so, yeah. But I want to get into – the thing that we went through that, you know, the death machine and everything of the death lineup and everything else that they had is clearly all very over. Who are they now? What, what are they doing? Where do they go from here? Um, Steph Curry is a free agent after next year. So give me your take on what, who the Warriors are now and, and what they do to fix this. As Draymond said on, on Friday night after their, their game, that they're ways away from contending. And I think that much is obvious. That's a message to ownership. Look, I started talking about this last week and I stopped myself. I said, look, we're not talking about next year. We're talking about this year. So let me focus on, I think, Clay Thompson coming back and being 90, 95% of himself (laughs) changes that team dramatically. Wiseman has another year. Andrew Wiggins has, has really found his role in there. I love Kent Bazemore on that team. I mean, they have a lot of really good role players. Look, Steph's a free agent. You're right. I really hope that Steph doesn't do a situation where he holds the organization hostage, a LeBron, where they start floating it out there that he may leave. I think he's going he's gonna to see what Clay looks like. Because, again, Clay makes that team significantly different. Draymond, he showed in the play-in tournament when it was playoff basketball time that he was really – he played great defense on, on Anthony Davis in the first game. His defense, he ratcheted – Yeah, half. he ratcheted, ratcheted it up. I don't think the Warriors are, are, are that far off. And I think they – 
not think they have salary cap too. Like they're going to be able to go out and sign. They could trade Wiseman. I just, I think we got to sit back. Who's do they have somebody's draft pick too? Yeah. Minnesota. They've Minnesota's draft pick, which potentially it's top three protected. Yes. So they could have the fourth, fifth, sixth pick in the draft. I think you package that with Wiseman and you maybe get a guy back. You know, who's unhappy right now? I don't know who's unhappy at the moment. Oh, that could change next week. Right. That's what I'm saying. I don't know. It's, it's whoever's going to be unhappy at the moment. Here's the thing. Um, I think that they are. I think next year they're, they are a top for they, they, they are hosting the opening round of the, of the playoffs. Wow. I don't. Wow. I don't see that. I don't see that at all. Well, um, but you have a, you fucking hate the Warriors. You hate Steph. Sure I do. But I'm also a realist. I, I don't think a guy that's 31 years old who hasn't played basketball in two years is coming off a significant knee injury, obviously to each knee that's kept him out of basketball for two years is really going to take this team from, from, essentially an eight seed to a four seed. Is he still that? I mean, all he does is run around screens and shoots and sure. When he was 28 years old, that's all he does. Sure. When he he was 28 years old, when he was 28 years old, he could do all that stuff. But but I think if, I think if he was taking guys off the dribble and he was explosive and he was, you know, he was dunking. If I think if you were expecting him to come back and be like a Russell Westbrook, then maybe there's some concern there. I don't think knee so he's just going to are... turn into like a three and D guy. That's not, that's all he them. fucking, that's all he ever has. No, man. he was not that he was not. He was one of the best two way players in the NBA. He's not yes. that anymore. He's not that anymore. You don't know that you're assuming that because you uh, haven't seen him play in two years. I've got a pre <laughs> no one's seen him play in two years. And I think that that's right. a major, major point. I you know what he can problem. still do with knee if, braces on. If you're counting on that, you're all right. So you're taking, you're saying you know what he can still do with knee braces on. You're saying you're saying that Shoot. one of if you turn one of the best two way players in the NBA into a three and D guy that they're going to be the same. I just don't see it. I, I they don't have space. They're not going to be able to go out and sign anybody of, of any of any value. Their top four guys are locked in through next year. Kelly Oubre is really the only one that comes off who's got like he's got like fourteen million coming. And they off. probably need to keep him. <laughs> probably yeah. You know, Wiggins still has two years and sixty-five million left. That's the one you that, trade. I think you package Wiseman, Wiggins, another Wiggy deal. You sure. package now, we- Wiseman, Wiggins, and that in that fourth, fifth, sixth pick potentially. And, and, and they tried to package the Wiggins, or the they tried to package Wiggins with the number two overall pick last year and couldn't do it. Now, uh, Wiggins' contract is much more palatable now. But what team has taken back that contract just to get James Wiseman? You, you, and, and and who are they giving that that's that much of an upgrade? I don't know. Call Kobe Altman. He is dumb shit all the time. <laughs> and uh, yeah, we mentioned they have the T Wolves pick, but I mean they tried to move they tried to move it, and it's going to be a worse pick than it was last year. Although I do think that this draft is, even though that last year's draft class turned out better than everyone thought, this class is is much better, um, at least perception wise. This class yeah. is not, you know, last year before year's class we not, see, before we see half of them even play. Right. 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 So uh, it, it could, but um, you know, I don't know, man. I don't know where they go from here. I, I don't think that Curry is a guy that's gonna, you know, hold him hostage. He might. He might get a. He might do it just so they 
you know, the thing what, is, with, what with type of gymnastics max- can you do to make this roster a contending roster right now? But that's the thing: this, these these guys, these supermax guys, it's pretty easy. Their contract is laid out for them ahead of time. You know, just by the way that the CBA works out, because these these contracts are already. You're the supermax guy. You're already making forty million or forty five million a year. Here's what your next three years or five years are going to look like if you sign a contract. So um, you don't you don't think right now? I mean, Utah, Phoenix, Denver, and the Clippers. You don't think they could be in the mix with those four? I mean, you're conveniently forgetting about one team, the defending they're, NBA they're, champs. They're, they're a seven seed, and they're down one zero in their series. They're so, always down zero one in their series, and they're not. They're not a seven seed. I mean, we we know that. We know that they're not a seven seed. They're defending champions who are better than they were. Their roster is better than it was last year. Book so, keeps playing the way he does. They might get swept. And both guys. And both guys are under contract next year. They're not going anywhere. Out of the top four, I mean, the Clippers are the only ones that have really any question. Kawhi hasn't signed yet. Well, is, is he a free agent? Not after this year, right? I believe so, yeah. So he's a free agent, and I got to believe that that Dallas going. is coming up. I mean, Dallas isn't going anywhere. They're only I got to believe. Better. I think the Clippers are, are – I think Kawhi's out of there. Where's he going? Fuck if I know. Knicks? <laughs> Fuck, he might go to Germany or something for all we fucking know. <laughs> Who knows remember, what that remember, guy's gonna do? Remember when Wait, y'all remember when all y'all were saying he's the best player in the NBA not I did. that long ago? I, I was I never said he was better than LeBron. You said never he was the best player in the NBA. I'm not Max Kellerman. And I it's funny. I saw somebody retweeted a video when they lost on Saturday where he was Jay Williams was on first take and <laughs> and Max Kellerman said. I think you could say at this point that Kawhi Leonard has more clutch moments than Kobe Bryant. And Jay Williams goes, tell me about those moments. <laughs> and Max Kellerman goes, uh, uh, <laughs> fuck funniest shit. I- yeah. Look, I'm part of the, I'm part of that group that, you know, got a little too that run that they made with Toronto when he hit the game seven shot. And then, you know, had a, had a great NBA Finals. I got a little too carried away with Kawhi. There's no doubt. I didn't mean I, I wasn't singling you out. You weren't the only one. A lot of people were. You know, what's happening right now is always very intoxicating. So, to to be honest with you, I think Paul George is more the issue than Kawhi. Yeah. Um, sure. Sure. Um, there's real questions there. Okay. Can you win if he's your second best player? And you know that, you know, my guy Ryan Rosillo likes to call him 30 or 13 because he can go out and give you 30 or he can go out and give you 13. Neither of them really make much of a difference in the game. So it'll be interesting to see what happens with them particularly. But getting back to the original question, I don't think Golden State's anywhere near a four seed next year, top four. Well, that's the beauty of it. In about – because next year we'll probably have a normal – that's a another good point. That's, that's a good point. You know, uh, with a with a relatively normal off season. I mean, the finals are in July, right? So they're a month late. You know, f- four, five, six weeks late. Maybe they'll push. Uh, well, you, usually the finals end on Father's Day, so it's really well. I guess it depends on when it ends. Yeah, they don't start till July. So we'll know. Well, Kawhi, Kawhi is under contract for next year. It's we'll know player. in about ten months whether or not the Warriors it's a player option have the ability to be a four seed. 
It's yeah, Kawhi does have a player option for next year, but he ain't taking it. All right. All right. Is that all you got? No, I have one more thing. Oh boy. Talk to me about Julio Jones. I really hope that Green Bay doesn't try to get him to try to keep Aaron Rodgers because I think that's a huge mistake. Wait, do you still think Rodgers is out of there? Not only do I think Rodgers is out there, but I saw, who was it? Adam Kaplan, not Adam Kaplan. Somebody said today that the Russ Wilson shit started to heat up over the weekend again, too. Did they mention any teams? That he wants, I think you could see, I think you could see Seattle fucking try to trade Russell Wilson for Aaron Rodgers. And just to fuck Russell Wilson because he. Oh my god, I would love that to see what see what Seahawks Twitter does because they've been. (laughs) I love that. I think I think that's that's starting to get real interesting there. But Julio, look, they had the teams that are the favorites right now. Who were they? Who did you see? The Ravens were on the list, but they were they were low. San Francisco's on the list. Tennessee. Um. Vegas had to be on there. I I think they got to be the front runner just because of Gruden. I think they're going to trade him. Yeah, he's definitely getting traded. I mean, that's that ship has sailed. He's out of there. Did you, you know, see what did you see the, the phone call with Shannon Sharp today? Yeah. Do you think he knew that he was on TV? Do you think he knew? I don't think he did. I think there's no fucking way. And and you know what? I'm not mad at Shannon Sharp, and I'm not criticizing Shannon Sharp. That was kind of fucked up. That was a little. You need up. to lead with because you're on you're on the air. Not not 25 seconds into the call. You oh, know, we're on the air, by the way. I, look, I don't think it changes what he says. And, no, and, and I don't and, think. And don't hold think on, yeah. I saw on on Pro Football. Uh, what's uh, Mike Mike Florio? Um, Pro Football Talk. Yeah, I saw on their show today. Tonight's Kenny Maine's last Sports Center. Guess who? Guess who his guest is gonna be? Nah, Aaron Rodgers. So you know, Kenny, you're gonna hear Aaron Rodgers come out tonight, possibly. So today, you might get Julio Jones and Aaron Rodgers both publicly saying that I don't want to play for this team anymore. I don't think, I think so. I think Aaron Rodgers can come out and say I've signed a new contract. Maybe, maybe. I, look, <laughs> I think that you know the Patriots thing is real. It sounds like the Patriots front office has already had some conversations with with Atlanta. The Baltimore thing, I, I'm I'm hearing that. I don't know. I don't know. Let me know your thoughts while you're talking. I'm going to look up the odds. I want the Browns to go get him. I want them to, you know, I, I look. I would give a two and a four, probably not much more than that. And he might get more than that. The Patriots might be willing to give a first round pick the way that they've been spending money <laughs> this 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 off season. But uh, I, I'd give a two and a four for him. I'd let Jarvis walk. I wouldn't give a one simply because even if you don't trade for him after this year, the wide receiver room is empty. You know, you're, you're losing Odell and Jarvis both this offseason, this next offseason. So you'd be left with DPJ, um, Kaderil Hodge, and Schwartz, the rookie. Those would be the only three guys left in your room next year. So I'm keeping that one. But I, I think that the windows now, I don't think the Browns window is going to get any wider than it is over these next two years. I think it, it closes slightly after that. And I think they should be doing everything that they can to maximize this year and next year. 
Patriots, Titans, Chargers, Colts, Ravens, and 49ers are the ones that have the best odds in that order. Ravens and 49ers are tied plus 700, Colts plus 600, Chargers plus 550, Titans plus 500, Patriots plus 450. That's kind of wild that the Raiders aren't even on there because it feels like like the Titans make sense, but it feels like a, a that it makes sense in a way that the Raiders make sense and that they they like to they like to kind of make that splash. You know what I mean? Browns plus two thousand. Oh, I don't think the Browns are going to. I, no, I I'm just re- telling you. Right? I should telling. I should reiterate. I want the Browns to do that. I don't think there's any chance of it. The fucking Raiders all, aren't so. even on here. That's wild. I look. I I would love for the Browns to get them. I don't think they need him. I mean, is he a missing piece to a Super Bowl? No, but does, he's 32. Does he, does he make you better? Does he make you better than what you currently have? I he's believe, yes. 32 with a $23 million cap hit. I think if, I mean, how much of that money does Atlanta have to take on because it's dead money? Well, yeah, you, you can, you can structure it, you know, post June one or whatever. I mean, I know you want to move on from Jarvis Landry. And look, I just think it opens the offense up. Let me see here. Trade post June one. I mean, okay. Julio Jones opens up your offense. No, no, no. I think if it comes moving down on to from, moving on from Jarvis, Jarvis Landry opens up your offense. Julio I, Jones opens it up that much more. I think if it comes down to like either we get him or the Ravens get him, like I would want him more as a way to bl- block him from going to Baltimore. Still though, like even on the Ravens, he doesn't. He just doesn't scare me that much. It's I don't, I don't not know. that he doesn't scare you. It's that the running back. That takes wow, the ball from I'm the center. I'm not calling him that. Well, it's not the first time I've said that, so don't act surprised. I say that not, about once every every eleven shows. I say that, and I say it more frequently during during the the regular season. I, look, if they if they trade him post June one, they save like fifteen million in cap, so we wouldn't be on the hook for all that much. And then also his contract. Let me see. It costs a million dollars to cut him next year if it doesn't work out. I'm sorry. It would uh, it would be 17 million in dead money. Dude so doesn't he, stay healthy. Like the, he missed he'd like seven on the games. team for two years. He missed seven games last year. I mean, he doesn't stay healthy. He doesn't score touchdowns. He's a great player. I'm not saying he's not a great player. I'm not saying I I, I wouldn't want him. I would just much rather see him go somewhere else. Dude, the Bucks are pouring it on. What's the score? 50 to 27 with nine minutes and 43 seconds left in the second quarter. Yeah. Miami, Miami is, uh, I told you, I I felt, I felt really good about them winning that first game. Yeah, it's tough. All right. That's enough. I've, we've said it all. Don't forget at WC sports pod, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, like follow, subscribe. We are also available now on all your favorite streaming platforms, iTunes, Google, Spotify, anywhere that you consume podcasts, you can find us. We are also available on the Believe Podcast Network, number one podcast network for professionals. Check us out today at Believe.com. That's B-L-E-A-V. And as always, we are presented by the one and only betonline.ag. With that... 
We love you and enjoy your lives. Props to the great Phil Mickelson. Somebody suck me. listening to believe you can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform check us out at believe.com and search for b-l-e-a-v on youtube you know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks that's what our podcast people are the worst brings you with each episode i'm rachel And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.